Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Claire. And welcome to My, My Mate, Mate Reckons. Reckons. The show where we teach you... And each other. ...about stuff we want to talk about. Stuff that we don't know about and we want to. Parental advisory. We're probably going to do some little sweary, sweary swears. Naughty, 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 naughty words and the sex. And we're going to... We talk about sex. Well, maybe we don't talk. Maybe we don't need to do this morning. Or no. maybe we need to be more sexual. Okay. Challenge accepted. <laughs> On we go. <laughs> Into this extra sex-filled episode <laughs> of, of My Mate, Mate Records. Hey there, Clever. Hey, Dave. How are you, my friend? Oh, ten episodes, babe. We've made it. We are so grown up. We're in the it's double like digits a, now. Like we are. T- we're a tween. We are. We're a tween. We're ready. I um, wanted to know about K-pop. I know very little about it apart from that people are obsessed and I feel like I've heard like rumours about like K-pop school yep. or they're, it's a whole machine that Correct. puts these bands together. Correct. And I feel like there are a couple of bands who have now hit the like mainstream world. Absolutely. And we should also give another advisory and another disclaimer before we start this. And this will happen, I think, continually through our many hundreds of episodes Mm. run. I feel that it's apt to tell people that I'm very white Mm. and I'm about to talk about a culture that is not my own. Yes. So please, always Mm. for this and forevermore, forgive my fucking whiteness as I try to... Yeah, or the lens in which you look the at lens, things. Absolutely, is a, is an outsider. Aunt is an outsider. Yes. Okay, so the, and there's going to be some Korean names that I'm okay. going to attempt. We'll just attempt them. Okay. There's. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> well, now that we've set that up, <laughs> this will be the end. It's been good. Ten episodes. <laughs> Great. Okay. There is now in the last five to ten years, it absolutely has reached like. Fantastic. Yes. Really, like, the infiltration into mainstream Western culture of K-pop has reached all new levels. And this is called, referred to as Halleyu. Okay. Or Halleyu, H-A-L-L-Y-U. And all as I... In the moment of... It's called like it's the Korean right wave. Yes. Okay. And all I think of is Shangela from Ruse for RuPaul's Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, that's yeah. all I think of. Okay, so before we enter the realm of K-pop, which yes. is roughly speaking like early nine, early to mid-90s is okay. when we really start to see it. But South Korea is a very different country to where it is now. Mm. Economically, it's not doing great through the Korean War and so on. In the on. 90s. But in the 60s and 70s, beg sure. your pardon. 90s, it started to get its act together. But okay. previous to that, it had... Um, mass amount of trauma. Mass amount of trauma. It, it had limited... Its approach to culture and media was very narrow, primarily because they only had a few set of like broadcasting channels that were all state-controlled. Sure. And they had a president whose name was Park Chung-hee, who's largely seen as a dictator at the time. He's assassinated in 1979, but he actually put, like, he legislated around what themes of music and culture should Ah. be and what we can only hear healthy songs. Okay. And healthy songs are patriotic songs. Yeah. Like, Ah, Korea. So lots of songs that... 
are about, about Korea. How we live and how we should be as a as a country. Or super G-rated love ballads. Right. That are like super soft core yes. porn of like not even not even kissing. even kind of just I love Touching you and a, I feel things. For indeed, you. with a slow, In a very nose safe way. Indeed, with lots of men sitting on chairs with handheld microphones sure. singing longingly. Into the camera. Yeah. Okay. Right? So that's where so we are. we're allowed are. to listen to love ballads or we love our country. Absolutely. Songs. He's assassinated in 1979. And then through the 80s and into the 90s, Korea starts to economically grow. And, okay. and still there's that cultural hangover. But it takes about 10 to 12 years for that to start to shed enough okay. until we get what is largely credited as the big, like, first... Um, K-pop group, which is a group called Seo Taji and the Boys. Okay. And they show up in TV in 1992. Which is around the same time as globally we're seeing other boy bands or there's a boy band culture. Absolutely. Like around the world of that's the kind of pop music we're all consuming. True. Although we can see in Western culture roots of boy boy bands and girl bands in the 60s and in Motown and and all those things. They've been produced since then as well. Of course. They keep evolving. But we're seeing the rise of hip-hop in particular. Yep. And what is evident when you watch these guys Mm. is that they are – they are directly influenced by, um, like, the clothes are super baggy. Mm-hmm. They're wearing, like, they become known as wearing, like, ski gear. Like, okay. that's a big thing. <laughs> and ski gloves are well, super, like. Well, South Korea is very chilly. It is. But they're wearing ski gloves as, like, a bit. And, and part of their act is that they are singing and that they are dancing. Okay. And this is, like, super pop. We can and sing and we can dance and absolutely. we are peak pop. And they are young. Oh, okay. And they go massive. Okay. And this they, first pop band. This first pop band. And right. they rap as well. That's the other big influence mm. is that they rap. And rap for South Korea wasn't really big. known at that time. Um, and the lyrics get controversial okay. for Korea. One of their big... Because they're not swoony love ballads. Because they're not swoony love oh, ballads. Oh, we love Korea. One of their most popular songs is a song called Come Back Home, okay. which was covered by BTS, which is the other, which is now... The, the big one that's now. The big, big, big boy band now. Yeah. Um, the lyrics go, my rage toward this society is becoming greater and greater. Finally, it turned into disgust. Truth disappears at the tip of the tongue. Oh. So this is like So they're kind of political. Yeah. They don't like and and some of their songs get censored because they disrespect the older generations. Right. But this is really important to the identity of K-pop is that it is young people and okay. it, it's identified as a youth culture thing and it's it partly giving young people a voice mm. against what they see as oppressive Korean culture. Yeah, or the old way. Or the old way. Yeah, great. 1996. Dave, I think I love K-pop. Well, it's pretty rad. Okay. This is one I discovered. It's well, rad. but it's also problematic with gender norms, but we'll get to that. Okay. 1996, at the top of their fame, they do a mic drop and they're like, we're out. Oh, we retire. Why? Yeah, because I, I don't know, actually. I didn't go into that because I'm a bad researcher. <laughs> but um, They're like, we're done, though. We're done. We've, we've, we've they done back as much out. as we want to do. Yep. They retire. Right. Um. But their success really can't be overstated and obviously they leave a whole other bunch of bands like wanting to do the same thing in their wake. 1996, by the way, like late 90s is peak time for me in like boy band and girl band culture 
in my youth, that's like Spice Girls yeah. and Hanson and Backstreet, Backstreet Boys, Boys and um, Five. You East five? 17. What the fuck is East 17? Like they were like another British boy band. Were they? You yeah. had this whole British influence that I don't get. Yeah, I forget that about family. your youth. Yeah, which is, yeah. You're, yeah. Um, <laughs> the England. The, the England. The mother country. The mother country. Uh there's a guy that comes along called Lee Soo Man. Okay. What does he do? He is music producer. He's like Korean Simon Cow. He is like, I see dollar signs. <laughs> Absolutely. He makes the argument that music's going to be Korea's next big export. Mm. That, in fact, music, it's more than music. It's a cultural commodity. Right. It is. An, well. It's a whole act. And he, along with two other major companies, over the late 90s, build the format for what becomes the K-pop formula to success. So they're like, this is this is how you make a successful band. Absolutely. The next big band that comes along is H.O.T. Okay. 1996, and they are massive. Um, now, here's an interesting point in history that I love. 1997, there's an economic crisis in South Korea, right? It goes to shit. Okay. By 1999, the government gets fully behind the K-pop idea and, in fact, fully behind arts and culture. And it says part of our economic regeneration and to make us a big international economic force is the arts and culture. So they legislate to give at minimum 1% of the entire annual budget to arts and culture. In 1997. In 1999. 1999. And then 20 years later, 20 years later, K-pop is now the eighth biggest market of Anything in the world. Oh, and then you look at how <laughs> Australia responds to its arts and to culture. Its art and culture. One percent of the entire budget, and the return on investment for them has been stratospheric. Enormous. Billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars year on year. Yeah. Well, look at that. Yeah. So this is the thing that you were interested in: is how they make it, right? Yeah. And now I'm curious, though, is like the at this point in time. It's big in Korea. It's big in other points in Asia. Like where? where A little is it, bit. Like, it's huge? not quite breaking through into international territory just okay. yet. That really happens as social media starts to come sure. through, and there's more globalization with the internet. Yep. Then you start to see the international influence. Sure. The big breaking point is 2012 with Gangnam Style. Uh, That's when it tips over into like mainstream mainstream international audiences. Right. That's it. That is That's cre- interesting. That is credited as the main turning point. Where people then start being like, I love this. What else? Which can is I weird because Gangnam Style is in part a satirization of K pop culture. Mm. It in itself is a K pop song that's kind of making fun of K pop. But then it in- then introduced people it to the world. It became the biggest K pop. It became the first YouTube video to hit a billion views. Oh my god! Ever until it was beaten by that other great K-pop hit, Baby Shark. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh, it's Baby Shark a K-pop song? Well, Baby Shark was, uh, yeah, wow. came from a Korean uh, Pink Fong. Came from a Korean children's per- company. Company. Yep. Um, okay, so in we're Cor- in the early 2000s. Yeah, in Korea they're known as idol groups. Okay. And you go, they do scouting and auditioning from children as young as 10 and 12. Stick them in special academies. Train, 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 train. So you go to K-pop school. Yep. And they assemble you into groups. And it's not that different to how Motown made their biggest hits. Yep. How Spice Girls was made. How One Direction is made. How we use... Disney still works like this. Yeah. Like they're teen stars and you see Miley Cyrus's path and... um, Yeah. What is the Mickey Mouse 
Club. The, uh, Mickey Mouse Club, which yeah. made Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears and Ryan all Gosling. those Ryan Gosling, yeah. all those people came from. Yeah. So um, here's a quote from Vox, who have done a great. I've found huge resources for them. They did a whole deep dive into um, K-pop. Mm-hmm. Through highly competitive auditions, starting around ages 10 to 12, music studios induct talented children into the K-pop regimen. The children attend special schools where they take specialised singing and dancing lessons. They learn how to moderate their public behaviour. Wow. Because you've got to be like, K-pop's like totally clean, right? No scandals with alcohol or drugs. Yep. You've got to be absolutely like as marketable and as commercial as possible. And part wow. of that means that you can't fall in love. Uh-huh. It's kind of frowned upon or has been in the past and it's changing a little bit. But for most of K-pop's history, it's about your life belongs to fans. Wow. So that fans and that people can... can believe that you are in love with them and you yep. are singing to them. Yeah, which is why John, which is the same reason why John Lennon hid his first marriage when he was in the Beatles. He didn't. He wasn't public about the fact that he was married because pub music studios said you're good. And the reason they did the same thing to Elvis the Presley. Target market is young women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tried to keep young pop stars away from developing long term relationships. Wow. Yeah. Which makes it makes sense. It's bullshit, but it, it makes sense. But we wonder why they then feel desperately alone and have massive mental health crises and drink <laughs> themselves to or death. Or why we're deeply invested in their love lives anyway. You look at exactly. Taylor Swift. Oh, and yeah. She's dating like a normal person in quotes normal because what is normal but she's just dating have you seen that taylor swift documentary i loved a, it really yeah i haven't seen it i'd had no opinion about taylor swift and then i watched and it, it and it made you respect her it more it made me go i think she is great i saw a clip where from the documentary where she's crying about the fact that she hasn't been nominated for a grammy and i was like that is not relatable content my respect for taylor swift has gone down i don't know i cry every year when the grammys come out and i'm not nominated <laughs> That is a crime. That is a massive oversight. No, 100% worth watching it. Oh, really? Because she's just, she's a little bit like this where she's been young and manufactured because she was a young country music star Mm. who was very talented and knew and driven from Mm. when she was little, knew she wanted to be a fucking singer-songwriter, knew she wanted to be successful, got signed, and then they manufactured this good girl country persona, persona, you know, non-political, don't talk about things, don't say anything, Mm. don't do the wrong thing. And a lot of the documentary is her now as kind of a woman in her mid-20s or late 20s unravelling all of that that. and who is she and what does she want to say and what does she want to do. It's really, it's it's worth interesting. It's devastating to see people go through it again and again. Like Marley Cyrus had her Mm. whole phase where she deliberately rebelled against them. The Disney power Sister, structure and, yeah. and Britney Spears has had a kind of semi-tragic arc as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they spend hours in daily rehearsals and perform in weekend music shows as well as special group performances. And, yeah, so it's it's entirely it's a, machine. a machine and it's entirely manufactured and it's and it's known to be manufactured. Like, this is not hidden, you know yeah, what I mean? Right. You can not... be a K-pop star, come to K-pop school, audition. Yeah. And part of it is that part of possibly the most harmful thing when you're on the inside, one of the most harmful things, but is really important to the idea, is that they're made up of at least five members, right? But okay. some have, like, as many as nine. And just like Ginger Spice, Scary Spice, but each has to have an individual personality or kind of brand. Right. So there's one that raps and there's one that, is the awesome dancer and sure. one that hits the high notes. And there's the, the youngest one who's called the Mangme, M-A-G-N-E, okay. and that's a whole identity, like to be the baby-faced 
wow. one. That's really important. Yeah. Um, and then that's what we come to expect and from the culture, but then what does that do to individuality and yeah. artistry? And Well, and also because the other big critique of the industry is, of course, that it's all gender norms, right? Mm. You don't see many where there's boys and girls mixed up. Sure. And even though there's that odd thing that comes across in some aspects of Japanese culture as well, where sometimes homoeroticism is kind of heightened mm-hmm. and really played with, it's still really seen as a kind of homophobic culture. Sure. So all the gender norms are super, like, Sticky, icky, and particularly around girl groups, it's kind of, it's no, here's another quote from Vox. No song more perfectly embodies the characteristics than Girls Girls Generation's 2009 hit G, a breakout success that came at a moment when K-pop was starting to turn da-da-da. The combination of cheeky, colourful concept, clever Mm. choreography, cute girls, catchy songwriting makes G the quintessential K-pop song. Um, it was all but algorithmically produced by studio machines responsible for delivering perfect singing, perfect dancing, perfect videos, and perfect entertainment. The then nine members of Girls' Generations were factory assembled into the picture-perfect male gaze-ready dolls mm. you see in the song's music video via extreme studio oversight and years of hard work from each woman, a combined 52 years of training in total, beginning in their childhoods. Yeah, wow. So these are exemplary artists, really. Who, who have trained, trained at and honed level. their craft, but then are, are, are produced to look at to a be certain dolls. way and be, yeah, particularly for young women. And then we talk about the fetishization, like we, you know, there's a fetishization, fetishization of Asian women, yes, by, particularly by Western culture, yes, that is in that too. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, there's some other interesting notes. Uh, the, you'll see a lot of bands that are made up of acronyms, mm-hmm. um, and that's to make them more marketable to international markets. Like right, the, so the, now we're kind of like at a point where we go, right. And that was part of HOTs, like, from 1996. That was part of the formula is that mm. from the start, K-pop has been, its identity has been that we are going to speak to Korean culture, but we're also going to market this culture overseas. So We, we want more people to know about South Korea and we, how great we are. It is part of who we are. So yeah. that... that that was there, like, from the government. It's a cultural pride. This is what we're doing. Um, and so we need to be marketable to international markets. So there is English integration of English lyrics. Yeah. And the band names are names that can uh, sit well on the Western can tongue. Can be Instagram. Some groups, like EXO, which is huge, which is a boy band that is made up of eight or nine members, two of those members are there to exclusively rap in Mandarin Chinese. Wow. To sell to the Chinese market. And yeah, they're the right. people that speak so to open them up. So it's all like business. Very, very deliberate, right? And um, the BTS are the big one now. They're the huge one now. They're the biggest. Um, and they have like a huge following in the States and they are quintessential boy band. They're and like, they were on Graham Norton. Yeah, they've been yeah. on Ellen, they've been on but it was also like South Korea had the Winter Olympics not that long mm. ago, and you can see if you go back and look at the opening and closing ceremony of that Olympics, you get a lot of like K-pop paraphernalia, but you look at these music videos and the money that is poured into these music videos is just like beyond any standard Western music video. But you it's think just, about their budgets that they would have as an industry if they've got huge, a huge arts budget in general. Huge. I wonder what the creation of other artistic product is coming out of Korea. Well, there like is theatre and visual arts, and there's certainly I know that there's an indie music scene, obviously that yeah. is in part directly to. But this is the thing: now that Korea's kind of opened up, South Korea's opened up more. I'd love it, to go in I'm part because of K-pop. Me too. Going. Like it's it's a 
amazing country. Mm. Um, it's opened its international borders. So a lot of the songs are written by the, the same people who are writing the top 40, like yeah, Western songs. Sure, sure, it, it, sure. It's all, uh, and those pr- music producers tend to come from Sweden mm. and tend to come from the States. And they're the people that are writing Harry Styles songs and the Jonas yeah. Brothers songs and, and all those guys are still writing the K-pop songs as well. And so you see the cultures now talking to each other where K-pop, the borders are starting to disappear and K-pop is influencing Western music and Western sure. music is very much And the way we're producing music or creating music is in an industry. Yeah. Yeah. And they're still like having just, and I'll, I'll put up at the end of this episode, I or Will will put up a, a, the uh, I Got a Boy which is from 2013, and it's a Girls' Generation mm. song, but it was seen as a classic at the time. But the like, it gives you a good idea of what K-pop can be, which is like, in an attempt to appeal to every mass market. I'm not kidding when I say every 20 to 30 so- seconds the song changes style. Like wow. it's hip, it's hip hop, girl pop music video to rap to like R&B to too. a ballad, where it's just like it's feels quite frenetic and intense but, but it's it's a deliberate for everyone it's a deliberate business attempt to appeal to as many people as possible to keep making as much money as they're making yeah and just like X Factor and stuff, there's now reality television shows that produce this sure. stuff and the studios feel threatened by that because that's kind of successful but the studios are saying it's um it's it's you know you're putting immature talent out mm, there that they're not that ready. That have done the work since they were 10. Yeah, the studios over the last five years have committed to a lot of contract reform because there's been criti- criticism of the contracts that they're kept in, mm. basically slate. Like you sign up at age nine to be kept in with this studio exclusively for the next 15 years, you know, Fuck. all this kind of shit. So, uh, it's yeah. So, that's so fascinating because who were you at 10? Like what were you interested in at 10? Oh, I was the coolest kid. <laughs> I was uh, sporty. I was deeply <laughs> athletic. I was confident in my sexuality at 10. No, I was like a sci-fi nerd. But I was practising piano a lot and I was, I was lucky enough to have parents that didn't Got full stop, <laughs> full stop. <laughs> that um that uh did a lot of things but one of the things they didn't do was pressure me into uh, like achieving yes and and being yeah, that brilliant was my at something too. it was kind of like you want to give that a go okay you have to commit to it for mm-hmm. however long we've paid for it but if you don't want to do it at the end of that time that's, that's okay. okay but like imagine committing to something making a decision about who you are at 10 and then I think when I was 10, I wanted to be a vet, but I wanted to be a vet on Neighbours. Sure. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So <laughs> imagine, though, being like, okay, you're going to Neighbours school, you are going to train for this, yeah. you're going to but it's also a tale... be in this contract forever and ever. It's a story that's really old. Like, it's a story that comes it's from... It's as old as time. Indeed. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. But, like... You see, Mozart was a child prodigy, mm. and so, no, so then Beethoven's dad was like, right, I've got a kid who's talented at piano, and I'm a poor yes. working-class dude, so I'm going to beat my son senseless to make mm. him excellent at piano and so that he can be a prodigy like Mozart. It's like extremely 
good athletic kids yes. too, or like ballerinas, because you hit mm-hmm. your peak in yeah, your so early teens or so young. For a lot of Olympic athletes yeah, as well. Yeah, that your parents need to be in yeah. deeply in, in involved in the beginnings of the, that process, like yeah. timing you and yeah. controlling some parts of your lives. Yeah. yeah, I find that so weirdly problematic. And, yeah. But also like what else? What yeah, the agency of young people, agency of choice for young people. Yep. Mm. So there you go. What do you reckon about K-pop, Clipper? Um, uh, my mate reckons that K-pop has hit its kind of Western bigness yeah. as of the mid two thousands. Yeah. Um, that it is. That Korea, my mate reckons that Korea is supporting their fucking arts and they art are. sector and Look artistry and have seen an enormous on return on investment. And I think that's an interesting way to think that. about things. I think my mate reckons that um, he's now obsessed with K pop. Great. We also promised at the beginning of this episode to get aggressively sexual. And we haven't at all. So go. <laughs> Um, sexy, sexy sex. Great. Thanks for being my mate, Claire. Thanks for being my mate, Dave. Bye. Hey, yo, GG. If you'd like to leave a rating and review on whatever service you're listening to, this please on, do. That would be great. That'd be great. Tell, tell your you friends. Tell your mates. That's right. That's the name of the show. I see what you did there. Where can people find you, Claire? People can find me on Instagram at Claire and Pearl. Where can people find you, Dave? People can find me at Dave Burton Writer. And if you have a suggestion or a question, or would like to point out. How much Claire got wrong. <laughs> or how much Dave got wrong. Then you can write us an email at mymatereckons at gmail.com. We can't wait to hear from you.